0: Welcome to She's Running. This is the podcast dedicated to talking to women who are running for office locally, nationally, and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. My guest today is Mary McIntyre, Albemarle County School Board candidate. Mary lives in Charlottesville, Virginia, which now may sound a little familiar to you because this weekend, the KKK marched in Charlottesville to protest the taking down of a Confederate statue. I can't even say that sentence without laughing because seriously, it's the KKK. Mary was actually at that protest. She was one of the nearly 1,000 people who came out in opposition of the KKK. She sent me a note on Sunday about it and said that it was, quote, absolutely mind-blowing. It's 2017 and the KKK thinks that they can just march through our streets. Now, my conversation with Mary was a couple of weeks ago, so we don't actually talk about the march. But Mary had a great Facebook post about it. And I shared it on She's Running's page. So you should definitely go check it out. Here's the thing about those Confederate statues. Those who want them to stay up have now completely lost the fight. That's it. It's over. I understand that you think it's about preserving history. But here's the thing. You're now on the same side of the issue as the KKK. Whatever argument you have, whatever thing you think you're fighting for, a win for you is a win for the KKK. Take a look around you. If you're standing on the same side of an issue as the KKK, you are on the wrong side. Now, let's talk to Mary.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, I think it's really cool that you're doing this. And um, I've been fascinated with podcasts. And I listened to quite a few of them. And um, just the whole podcast community in general seem like really, really cool people. I, there oh. are not enough hours in the day for all the podcasts I want to listen to.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. I love podcasts. <laughs>
1: yeah. So good what for are, you.
0: What are some that you like?
1: Oh, man. Um, I listen to one called Crime Writers On... And they, um, if you listen to it, they they talk about, um, they talk about true crime podcasts, but then they're also crime writers. So they talk Mm -hmm. about different stories in the news. And that one's really interesting. Um, Recently, I've started listening to one called Have You Heard? And that one is is, uh, specifically about education issues. And I really am enjoying that one. So it just kind of depends. There's one called Pod Save America that I really Uh. like. Do you like that one?
0: I love it so much. All the pod saves. Pod save the world, pod save the people. Yeah. Big fan yeah. of all that.
1: So it's um, it's funny because then there's like the spinoff, Love It or Leave It. Yes. And that one just makes me laugh so, so hard. So <laughs> I'd have to wait until my children are in bed um, when I listen to some of these podcasts. And, you know, it's kind of like Mommy's Quiet Time.
0: Yes. I have quite a commute. So I, that's usually my... Uh, podcast time. Oh, really? Where do you where do you go? I live in Fort Worth, Texas, and I drive to Dallas, which is averaging about an hour and fifteen minutes, hour and a half. Wow! Each way, yeah. So, so yeah, then you
1: could probably listen to all the podcasts that you wanted to. <laughs> I
0: I do have quite a list and a rotation, so yeah, yeah I've cool. got got a lot of that. Well, cool. Um, let's introduce you here. So who are you, and for what are you running? So my name is Mary McIntyre,
1: and I am running for the Rio District seat on the Albemarle County School Board, which is in Albemarle County, Virginia.
0: Okay, and where in the state is that?
1: We are um, about an hour west and a little bit to the north of Richmond, which is um, kind of centrally located in, in the middle of the state, and about two hours southwest of Washington, D.C. We're um, really close to the mountains, and um, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Lots of farmland and rolling hills, and it's absolutely gorgeous here.
0: Are you uh, from Virginia?
1: No, I'm actually originally from North Carolina. That's where I was born and grew up, but um, I, uh, I... met and married my husband when I was um, teaching in Raleigh, North Carolina and he was in the Air Force and so we spent a lot of time uh, traveling around the country and around the world for the Air Force and just recently a little bit more than a year ago um, he retired from the Air Force and we we settled here in Charlottesville. I um, well, We're right outside of Charlottesville, we're in the county. Um, I have family in this area, and I grew up coming here to visit um, our family. And I always loved Charlottesville. Uh, so when it came time for us to finally be able to choose where we wanted to live, I kept saying, "You know, hey, let's let's look at Charlottesville. It's beautiful. <laughs> we I know they have really great schools. It's a college town. Um, UVA is here, and so it, there's just tons of activities and culture. And it was a lot more affordable than a lot of the other places where we had lived and where we had been stationed. Um, And I knew we were not going back to North Carolina, uh, mainly because that there were not a lot of jobs there in the field where, Mm -hmm. that my husband works in. So um, we, we felt really, really happy to be able to come to Albemarle County and live close to our family and get to build those relationships with them. And we bought our first house and we're, Working on renovating that. We are DIYers, (laughs) (laughs) which is, which is good and bad. But um, but we just love it. I think that we made a really great decision to move here.
0: So okay, you said you're running for the Rio district. What does that mean?
1: It's actually Rio. It's pronounced Rio. Rio. It looks like yes, it looks like the word Rio. And um, what? I, the story that I was told many, many years ago, we came up here for a visit and I think one of my great aunts was telling me the story that, um, that there was a railroad stop um, along this road and that the sign said R10. And that people read it as R I O, and that that is why they pronounce it Rio. Now I could Ryo. be uh, I could be completely off. That's just the story that I was told, but it stuck, and so now it's we are the Rio District. There are um, six different districts in Albemarle County, and this would be a district position on the school board. Okay, yeah.
0: So why did you decide to run?
1: Well, you know education is kind of our family business. Um, I'm a teacher. My sister's a teacher. Both my parents were teachers. Both my grandfathers were college professors. And in fact, my great-grandfather was a professor at UVA here in Charlottesville. So it really felt natural for me to go into teaching. Um, I have a bachelor's degree and two master's degrees in education. And I've been a teacher since 2003. But then, as I said, I married my husband, who was in the Air Force, and we started traveling around, and I kind of realized very quickly, I was not going to have a traditional teaching career. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I taught in Raleigh, North Carolina, Newport News, Virginia, Ramstein, Germany, Kaneohe, Hawaii, and then most recently here in Albemarle County. I just worked part-time at one of the elementary schools here, just doing some hourly reading intervention. So... I really feel like the experience of working in in five different school systems has just given me a unique perspective to be able to compare and contrast how things work in different places and how things don't necessarily work well either. Um, I've taught in high-poverty schools and really affluent schools. I've had my classroom in a basement. I've had it in a trailer and in a brand-new school building. So um, I feel like that perspective has given me the experience and the knowledge to be able to look at situations and make really good decisions, educated decisions, but also just being able to participate in discussions with many different types of people. Um, I've learned how to cooperate. I've learned how to compromise. And I think that those are really valuable aspects that I could bring to the board. Um, But there are things about educational policy that I would not understand if I had not had those experiences from inside as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, our current school board has seven members. As I said, we have the six districts, and then we have one at large, which represents okay. the entire county. But only one of our seven is um, a retired educator, and the rest of the members—I've I- met them. They're all really great people, and they have a lot of—they've um, all served really well and had a a really good influence on the school board and the school system, but the rest of them are lawyers and financial advisors and health, with a health policy consultant. But I feel like we need more than just one person with significant public education experience helping to make those decisions that are affecting our schools and our students. So that was one of my main motivations, but I also have two children who are currently in elementary school. Um, my son is going into the second grade and my daughter's going into fifth. So I've not only been an employee in our school system, but I'm also really connected as a parent to our school community. Um, And then I guess my last reason for as far as, you know, why? Why me? Why I'm running? I, I've served in so many different volunteer roles and activism roles over the years. Um, I've been a Girl Scout leader. I founded, a chapter of an organization called Dining for Women that hosts monthly educational potlucks to raise money for grassroots projects, um, and the those grassroots projects are around the whole world and they fight gender inequality and they work to lift women and kids out of poverty. So. You know, leadership and service have been a part of my life for a long time. And I feel like all of those things combined up to this point have been preparing me for this moment of running for the school board, even before I, before I knew it.
0: So what motivated you to run right now? Yeah, right now. Well, if
1: if you had asked me four years ago, if I would be running for a political office, I would have said that you're crazy. Um, (laughs) It just... It was not on my radar, but actually, a little more than two years ago, uh, we were stationed in Hawaii, and my extremely healthy and fit husband became really, really sick. And he ended up in the ICU um, one day, and we found out that he had adult onset type 1 diabetes, which is really rare. wow. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And so what that meant for us was just that this huge cascade of dominoes began to fall um we had to get his health stabilized of course and and learn how to manage that disease and that became a family effort and it was it was scary at times you know just dealing with the unknown but then we also knew pretty much immediately that that was going to be the end of his career with the Air Force, um, because of his physical restrictions and being insulin dependent, he couldn't deploy any longer. And, um, the military doctors were not optimistic that he'd be allowed to stay. So even though that decision process felt really slow, when the medical board decision finally came down that he was, um, going to be medically retired out of the Air Force within three months out of that, after that, we were homeless and jobless, um, We had to move back in with our family and put all of our household goods into storage and then figure out what we were going to do. And I I mean, I told my husband, I was like, we are those people that had to move Mm -hmm. back in with their parents. You know, I just, we never saw it coming. Um, So that was really devastating. And what it meant, though, was that we got a blank slate. You know, what we thought our future was going to be was erased and then we we then had to determine what we wanted our future to become from that point. So, you know, as I said, we um, we moved in with family, started applying for jobs and ended up finding something. And and that's how we ended up here in Charlottesville. And I think that we can turn around now and look at that situation and be so thankful and so happy that um Everything has worked out for the best for us. We have a home that we love. Our children are happy. Uh, we're not constantly uprooting them and moving around. And um, it it really has ended up for the best. But if you told me two years ago, Mary, you guys are going to be fine. You're going to move to this fabulous <laughs> town and you're going to have jobs that you love. I, you know, I didn't want to hear it at that point. I wasn't ready. But now I can turn around and I can look and I can reflect on that. So I think that it was a really... A really powerful thing, but the the other reason for right now is just um, I feel like, as I said before, all of the experiences I've had have prepared me for this. And a couple people have said to me in the past, hey, you, know, you should really think about running for office. And then I go, oh, no, you know, I don't think so. I really like teaching and, and especially being a military spouse. It, we were never anywhere long enough for it to even be a possibility. But now that we are settled and we are here and we are raising our family here, um, it actually started to become a possibility. So I did hear that there was a chance. That the incumbent um, may not run for reelection, and so I started, um, I started doing some research and and meeting with people, asking questions to find out, well, what's the, what's the time commitment involved here, and um, do I really have enough knowledge to bring something valuable to the table, and and I I talked to a lot a lot of people before I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it, I'm going to take the leap because. I think that this is the perfect time in my life for this. My kids are older and more independent, and um, I am not going to be giving up a full time job or, or a, a retirement system that I'm vested in. Because as a military spouse, I have not earned any of that at, at <laughs> any of my any of my former jobs. So, um, you know, I. I am really excited about the possibility of getting to serve on the school board. Um, The election is in November and I am not going to be uh, going to work this fall when school starts. But if I lose the election, you know, I, I still get to do something I love, which is teaching. And so I feel like I really can't lose in that
0: aspect. So what's the process of running been like for you so far? Wow. It has been a huge learning curve
1: for me. <laughs> um, I I have come to see the complexity of what it takes to run a school system and all of the decisions that have to be made and all of the people who have a say in those decisions and, and don't always agree. Um, I've met... <laughs> probably a hundred people for coffee. I'm well caffeinated Uh, in the last, (laughs) and in the last, I would say four to five months, um, I've been having two to three meetings a week. I'm going to meetings in the evening, whether it's the school board or it's the board of supervisors um, or it's community organizations, things like that. My main purpose was to get out early and learn, as much as I could, as fast as I could. And I feel like I really have done that. I mean, I could name every school in this school system and I can tell you something unique about them. Um, and I, I could not do that this time last year. But I think that what's also become really um, really important is to understand the relationships and how government is really dependent on strong relationships uh, among the people that are working together in government, but the relationships of the citizens and the people who are governing. Our school board members are normal people like you and me, and they have normal lives. This is, it's not a full-time job. Um, it is, it's considered a part-time job and it doesn't pay anywhere near what you could you know, support a family on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the, especially the members of the community that I talk to the most, which are parents that have children in the schools, they really want to know that their representatives are listening and hear their concerns and want the best for their children and are making decisions um, based on the best evidence that they can find at all times. And so, you know, I have I've learned so, so much in this process, and it's, it's kind of like... Um, Pandora's box, once it's <laughs> once you start to learn all these <laughs> things you can't just stick it all back, right so even if I do just um, go back to the classroom, I am just a much much better teacher and better parent and just better citizen period, having gone through this experience
0: Have you faced any obstacles?
1: Yeah I mean, I, I didn't know how to run for office <laughs> I think I
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I, I've had to ask a lot of, of questions, um, and I've I've asked people for recommendations. And one thing that I have done is I I try to reach out to people who have run for office before, and and every single one of them has been so kind and so helpful in sharing their advice. Whether it's them saying, you know. Uh, this is just an example like oh buying balloons is just a waste of money nobody cares about balloons but then uh, someone says well actually balloons really matter if you're handing them out to people at the primary because then they take it home and they look at it and um, people's advice who have gone through this process has been really valuable Um, one obstacle for me in particular something that that I was actually kind of surprised about was that I had my announcement in March, my official announcement. I, I had a room at the library and I stood at the podium and I gave my speech and the media was there. Um, and then it was either the next day or the day after I, I heard from someone that I was a topic of conversation on a local radio show Ah. and that, um, they, and I, I didn't hear it. In fact, I never, I never heard this clip, so I don't know what exactly was said, but the person who heard it said, yeah, they, they found something that you misspelled and they were questioning whether you actually had the college degrees that you said you had and whether you were qualified to teach children how to read. And, and they were wondering if you even had a teaching license. And I was like, whoa, you know, this is, this is what they mean when they say you instantly are put put under a magnifying glass and every part of your life is put under scrutiny. And to this day, I've never found what it was. I misspelled. Um, <laughs> I would love to know. I'll go back and fix it. But, um, but you know, that that was a really tough way to start the campaign, hearing that. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to need some thick skin because I can't get bothered by people criticizing a misspelled word. There are many, many bigger issues, and there are going to be even tougher discussions that have to happen. Um, so maybe it was a slow news day. I'm not sure, but um, I'm looking forward to you know maybe maybe one day that radio show will reach out to me and and we can have a conversation about it, and they can get to know me as a person, and I'm happy to talk to them about my teaching credentials if that's what they would like. So. So I would consider that an obstacle because that was a really in-your-face way to find out um, just what it means to become a candidate in in the public eye.
0: Yeah, that uh, that sounds tough. Yeah. So speaking of issues, what are your core issues?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, it it is a district seat, the Rio district. So technically, I would be the representative of my district, but on as a member of the school board you know, you're voting and you're making decisions that affect the entire county. And um, so I really decided that I wasn't just going to focus on my small area of the county, that I needed to learn as much as possible about all of the county issues. Um, One thing that's affecting our schools right now that I know is a really big issue and has been for a long time is overcrowding. Um, we have a growing population here and um, especially in what we call the urban ring. And that is the part of the county that is just outside of the Charlottesville city limits. And the population in those areas is growing so quickly, um, mainly because that's where most of the development is, but also because that's where the most affordable housing is. Um, The further out you get into the county, uh, there's not as much affordable options for housing. So there are four elementary schools in this urban ring area, and they are just really struggling to keep up with the growth and the, and the needs of all of their students. Um, so addressing this overcrowding in the elementary school is is an ongoing process. Um, some of what the county has done has to put trailers um, behind or next to the schools, which are meant to be temporary solutions, but those temporary solutions have stayed a really long time. Um, but then also we have we have a high school that is over capacity by almost 140 students, and we are running out of ways to expand our schools. We're really going to need to um, look at building another elementary school and building another high school for sure. I would like the county to look at the growth projections and to look at the enrollment projections that we have for our schools and to make a proactive plan for how they're gonna address it before it happens. Um, so we can stop having to put band-aids on on the overcrowding problem every single year. Um, so that's definitely an issue and it's an issue that affects the, the school my children go to but it's, it's affecting the whole county really. Um, another issue that's important to me and uh, And it's probably because I was the child of two teachers and I myself became a teacher. But I really feel like we need to raise teacher pay. Um, I've met with two different groups of teachers here in the county and I hear their concerns and I hear them saying, you know, they don't feel that they are being paid the value of their work. They are working many, many, many hours long beyond the school day. Um, I hear them say they can't afford to live in the area where they're teaching. Some of them live outside the county and they drive in because it's cheaper to live in one of our neighboring counties than it is to live in Albemarle. Um, I believe it's 70 percent, it's got to be close to 70 percent of all of our county teachers are taking on extra duties. So let's say they're um, they're coaching a team or they're doing uh, an after school club, something like that. You earn a little bit of extra pay, but they're not they're not getting rich off of that. Um, and a lot of teachers are telling me that they have to have a side job in order to to support their families and to survive here. And I just think that um, teacher pay is part about compensating them fairly for the amount of work that they're doing. But what I really think needs to happen, not just in Albemarle County, not just across the state of Virginia, but nationwide, is that the profession of teaching needs to be elevated and it needs to be um, compensated in a way that we are showing the public that this is important to us. And so by raising teacher pay across the board, that is what it tells people that we value teachers, that we trust and respect them, and we appreciate what they are doing. Um, and so, that's one of the things that's important to me. Um, another, uh, well, along the lines with teacher pay, is fair living wages and. This has been a, a big topic in our area recently. Um, there is a living wage campaign at UVA. People are petitioning the university. They want to make sure that the university is paying all of their um, their hourly workers and their contracted workers a fair hourly wage. And so, of course, living wages are different than the minimum wage. So living wages need to be tied to the locality. And so um, the minimum wage is set and would be the same here in Albemarle as it would be in one of our neighboring counties, say in Greene County. But a that that's the minimum wage that is mandated by the government. But a living wage would be more here in Albemarle because it costs more to live here. So um, one of the things that really upset me was finding out that some of our, our hourly employees here, cafeteria workers and after-school care providers and bus drivers, are, are living in poverty. And I... To me, that is just unacceptable to know that we have people working full time who are living in poverty and cannot afford to buy food to feed their own children. But they stand in the cafeteria and feed mine every day. Um, And I think that paying fair and living wages is is the right thing to do, but it also would stimulate our local economy. I think we'd have less turnover of our employees and we'd have higher employee morale. So I'm not saying we're going to make a huge jump in the wages that we're paying right now. It could certainly be gradual so that the budget could be adjusted, but you know healthcare costs are rising just as fast or faster than the raises that we have given to our teachers and our hourly workers, and so it makes it makes them feel like they're actually making less money. And so we really need to, to remedy that. Um, Another priority of mine, and I feel like this is something that even became more important to me uh, recently when I started doing reading intervention, is I would love to see us expand our pre-K program here in the county. Now, I know that we are only mandated by law to provide education to K through 12, but it is research shows that students who receive high-quality pre-k education especially at-risk students they are better prepared um they, they actually learn at a faster rate their rate of progress is faster um and they receive less intervention services later on when they actually arrive in elementary school so so that, that was those are my my issues my main issues um another thing that that is important to me um and something that locally is is also a big deal is just sustainable design, mm-hmm. um, d- using environmentally friendly materials in our in our construction. Let, let's use as much natural lighting as possible and rainwater um, collection. And I would I would love to see the county make a priority to get solar panels put on every single one of our schools. Um, I think that it's. It is not just smart for the environment, but there are so many educational projects that can be done with the students having to do with the generation of renewable resources, renewable energy. Um, so that is something that is important to me and, and that I would fight for if I was on the school board.
0: Well, I love so much of what you're talking about. I yeah. My grandmother was a kindergarten Uh, librarian my mom was a special ed teacher my best friend is a high school English teacher my mother-in-law is a kindergarten teacher like yeah uh, I have so many teachers absolutely uh, they're everywhere my circle here I get everything that you're talking about even though I uh, do not have the disposition to be a teacher
1: (laughs) Uh, well I teach the younger kids I do um, I, I I, last year, I was doing kindergarten and first grade reading intervention. In the past, um, I've had some older kids, too, and I think it's just um, you know, some of the techniques that, that you use are the same, and some of them are just a little bit different, but one of the reasons I really enjoy the younger kids is that I can be I can be a little immature, and um, I do get to play around and act silly sometimes, <laughs> and I don't know, I, I, the, the best part of my job is this, that it doesn't feel like work. Um, and I, I was describing it to someone the other day that it feels like, uh, when I have my students coming to me and we're working on, on, let's say naming, letter naming, Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get some progress in one day. It feels like you just worked for really, really hard on a Rubik's cube. And then you set it down and you go to sleep and while you're sleeping, someone picks it up and, and turns it all different ways lots and lots and lots of different ways and then the next day you just you pick it up and you get right back to work and it's that way with my students I have to meet them where they are no matter how they arrive in my room on that day and we just get back to work trying to figure out how we can um, meet their needs and I don't know it's, it's incredible so that is one thing that I would miss if I, if I do serve on the school board I cannot be a county employee mm-hmm. so I would not be able to um, to work in any of our county schools. That doesn't mean I couldn't work anywhere else, but my plan if I'm elected is to definitely focus on uh, the position on the board so that I can devote the time and the energy that it's going to need, and I don't want to overcommit myself. So I I could see myself going back to teaching later on, but I want to make sure that I do this and I do it right. Do your kids understand that you're running for office? they do you know my 9 year old um she's she's really enthusiastic about it she said yeah. she she wants a campaign t-shirt so she can wear <laughs> it all the time and and say, you know, vote for my mom. Um, I think that she has a pretty good understanding. My six-year-old, uh, you know, he could tell you my mom's running for the school board, but he doesn't know who the school board is, what they do, and what kind <laughs> of decisions that they make. I mean, you know, as far as he's concerned, the school board might be the people who just order the pizzas for us on field day. Like, he just doesn't know. Um, but I think that, that my kids are amazing. And they have come to so many meetings with me and they bring their book and they sit on the floor in the back of the room and they're so quiet and they're just really well behaved. And so I am lucky in that aspect. Um, And I hope that they're internalizing and absorbing some of these things that they're hearing and some of the things they see me talking about and and doing. And maybe maybe they'll grow up to be activists one day. Who knows?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just love that all these little girls are Growing up with, you know, Wonder Woman is the biggest superhero in the world and all these (laughs) women, you know, moms are running for office and it's completely normal for them. That's
1: right. That's right. It's crazy. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe we have the next future president in our house. But uh, (laughs) uh, personally, I hope we have a woman president long before then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, um, where can people find you if they want to get involved with your campaign?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I have a Facebook page. And um, and anyone who is listening, even if you don't live in Virginia or in the Rio District, please find me on Facebook. My Facebook page says Mary McIntyre for Albemarle County School Board. And um, McIntyre is M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. And I realize Albemarle is also a strange word. <laughs> Albemarle is A-L-B-E-M-A-R-L-E. Um, and I have a website. It's mary 4 Schools, and that's the number four, not the word, dot .com. And I'm on Twitter, although I'm still kind of f- still feeling out the Twitterverse. I'm not exactly sure where I fit into that grouping. But in fact, that's how I found you. I found you on Twitter. Um, that's right. Yeah. So I am on Twitter and it's just my name, Mary McIntyre. But yeah, I think that, you know, liking me on Facebook actually really does help liking my page because their algorithms suggest me to people who are more like you. If that makes any sense, the, the yeah. more people I can get who care about education, care about politics, and care about these things, who like my page, it it kind of scans, you know, all of your friend circles, and it starts to suggest my page to more people who are who would be interested in my campaign. And so I think that that's a really um, a really valuable thing. You could also support me um, financially. You know, I don't I don't need millions of dollars to run this campaign, but I will need. Gosh, maybe eight to ten thousand. Um, right now, I'm about halfway there, and and a lot of the money I've gotten has been um, just small donors. I've been amazed how many people have donated $10, $20, $50, and it's it's just been fantastic. I have an ActBlue account, and there is a link to that on, um, on my Facebook page and also on my website. So, you know, if you make a donation to the campaign, that allows me to purchase yard signs and um, palm cards when I'm going door to door. I hand people a little card that has information about me and why I'm running and what my issues are. And and all of those things cost money. So I think that probably most of your listeners understand that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm excited for your campaign. You can really tell how much you care about education and your district by just the way you talk about it. Yeah, so, thank you. I think that yeah. um it's this has just been
1: an amazing experience. And um, I, I feel like at this point in my life, you know, I'm, I'm 37. So I'm, I'm not young, (laughs) but, um, but I'm also not old. I feel like I, (laughs) like I, I have gained enough experience through what I've done in my life and the places I've gone and the people that I've met, that I'm really at this point now where I want to share it, and I don't remember ever really feeling that before. And that is an empowering feeling as a woman, but just as a human. Um, so that's that's something that I think has just been really cool about all of this.
0: Well, thanks so much for talking to me.
1: Absolutely, thank you for having me. I think your podcast is fantastic, and I'm going to share oh. it with everybody.
0: <laughs> thanks. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening. And big thanks to Mary McIntyre for chatting with me. I know this episode was a long one, but I enjoyed talking to Mary so much that I just couldn't stop. Check out her campaign for Albemarle County School Board at Mary for Albemarle On Facebook at Mary McIntyre for Albemarle County School Board. And on Twitter, she's at Mary McIntyre. Thanks for listening to She's Running. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at She's Running Pod. If you would like a She's Running campaign button, all you have to do is subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Then shoot me an email at She'sRunningPod at gmail.com and tell me where to send it. Next week, I've got two women on the show to talk about Ignite Margot McClinton Stoglin and Brooke Lopez. If you don't know about Ignite, it's a great program whose mission is to ignite political power in every young woman. Obviously an organization that I am fully behind. (laughs) And that's it for this week. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon.